0: It's time for money for lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now, your host, Bert Martinez. You're Doing now, but that's what you want to yeah. do. Okay, good. <laughs> All right, uh, welcome here, everybody. I'm uh, I'm excited uh, for today's guest, Lawrence Ingracia. Um, he is the best-selling author of. Billion Dollar Brand Club. Uh, he's also a former Wall Street Journal Bureau chief, which tells into uh, so the book, Billion Dollar Brand Club, brand club, uh, tells the fascinating overnight success stories of today's direct-to-consumer brands and subscription clubs. Companies like Warby Parker, Quip, Uh, Dollar Shave Club have changed the consumer landscape and long-established brands brands like Gillette are struggling to catch up. Larry, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? Glad to be here. I'm excited. I think this is going to be a lot of fun uh, because uh, these brands seem to have merged overnight. They went from no, no presence to domination. Within a very, very short time.
1: You know, kind of I, I, if, if a lot of people are like me, they began seeing all sorts of brands they'd never heard of uh, being advertised for, you know, a huge variety of products, you know, razor blades, mattresses, you know, bras, eyeglasses. And, you know, when I started seeing these as somebody who would covered business for a long time, I thought, where are they coming from? Why now? What's happening here? And, you know, I realized that they actually had a lot of things in common, these products. You know, for a long time, you know, a lot of people found them expensive or a hassle to buy. Yes. And these companies, Dollar Shave Club, Casper and Tuft & Needle and Mattresses, uh, Third Love Bras, Hubble Contact Lenses, Warby Parker, they all figured out that, you know, there's something – that is a problem in the market. And we can fix it. And those are often the very best business ideas where somebody is saying, hey, how can I fill a need? And another really interesting thing is, you know, they're all in their 20s or 30s. A lot of the founders knew very little about these industries, about these products they were making initially. They just knew that there were a lot of people probably out there like them who felt the same way, who were like frustrated over something. I mean, you know, kind of, people were wondering why does it cost as much as $700 to buy a pair of prescription glasses or, right. you know, for a razor blade, you know, kind of, they're awfully expensive. And I go into a store, they're often locked behind, you know, kind of a glass case. And I ask for the clerk to get them out for me, uh, you know, and who hasn't right. gone to a mattress store and feel that their head is exploding? You know, you've got a salesman following you around, trying to get you to upsell you to the most expensive thing, you know, Lie down on it for 30 seconds, and you're going to know what it feels like when you get it home. Uh, and, uh, you know, kind of for bras, I mean, you know, what woman wouldn't tell you that, you know, kind of it's not the greatest experience. It's very hard to find something that fit. Right. It also was comfortable. These were problems that these entrepreneurs recognized that a lot of people had. And for the first time, it was possible to introduce a product very quickly and easily. The barriers to entry fell. You know, if you, if you think about what it took takes now to introduce a new brand versus what it used to take, I mean, there's right. a huge difference. I mean, you know, kind of 10 or 15 years ago, you want to introduce a new brand. First of all, you had to get shelf space on, um, you know, kind of a store. Well, good luck with that. You know, right. you're going to go to Walmart or, you know, a, a drugstore to try to uh, get them to carry your razors. It's like, well, who are you? Why should I carry you? i got... Gillette, you know, kind of in shit, you know, kind of you're, you're, you know, superfluous. You're just an extra SKU for me on my shelf. Um, uh, So and the other thing is that if you wanted to market the the product, it's going to cost you a huge amount of money, too. Uh, You know, you're going to need tens of millions of dollars to advertise on uh, TV. So a couple things happened. Online commerce meant that you didn't have to go to a store, a retail store. You could sell directly to consumers. And the rise of the Internet meant that you could advertise for much cheaper online using Google or Facebook and actually target your customers rather than spending millions of dollars. You could spend tens of thousands of dollars, sometimes even thousands of dollars to test it out and to get traction. And oh, by the way, Michael Dubin, the founder of Dollar Shave Club, started his company basically by launching a video that went viral. It was hilarious. It was one minute and 30 seconds and it told everything about his company. And it cost him a few thousand dollars to shoot. And you know how many uh, views that that has had to date? Uh, not to date. Go ahead. Twenty-six point six million. How many? Twenty-six point six million views. In the first, you know, kind of few weeks, it had several million
0: views. Right. Right. So all these things came together at once to lower the barrier of entry. And, and you know, what's interesting to me is, is first of all, when I heard of Dollar Shave Club, and by the way. I, the way we heard about dollar shave club is somebody sent the video to us and says you got to get this you got to get this guy on the show so we ended up watching on the show and he talked about that and he talked about you know uh, uh, it's see uh, it's him and a couple of people that work for him and and uh, and and that was probably one of the best videos for introducing a product uh, mm. it was engaging it's funny it's i mean this is the model uh, and and I've had, I've had marketing people tell me they've
1: watched it dozens of times and can pra- practically recite it. Uh, right. So
0: good. Yeah. And and, it, and it's just it's just one of those things that because of as you mentioned all the things that are available today where we could share that video and all this other stuff right. and, and that's what happened. It was just crazy. And so uh, again, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I don't want to use the word luck because he put all this stuff together, but everything lined up and yes. that video went viral. Viral. and it all the website traffic i mean it was a dream come true it's it's you know, one of those one in a million kind of a thing uh but back to what you were saying you know razors is one of those things that are as you said are super expensive at least the quality ones are super expensive yeah. they're you know behind the glass and you have to get a special person to open it and and all that other stuff and and uh, it's just crazy. Not only are they super expensive, but you know we're always running out, and we don't know when that's going to happen. You know because we don't plan that far ahead as humans go. And then you use now, them to the goal and, yeah. you know, and, and you know kind of you know you don't get rid of them until you get your first nick. I mean, please. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And uh, and so here's this concept where we're just going to send you a razor every month for a fairly ridiculous price price
1: that Gillette charges. And, you know, Gillette makes an awfully good product. Yes. But is it twice as good? No. Is it maybe 10 percent better? Okay, 10 percent better at double the price is not a good value proposition for customers. Right. One of the things that that these companies, in addition to spotting opportunities in the marketplace and filling needs and knowing that, you know, hey, there are a lot of people out there like me, They benefited early on, especially from the fact that uh, a lot of the companies, big companies, were complacent, even arrogant. And why not? You know, Gillette had 80, 70 percent of the U.S. market for decades. Somebody comes along and says, hey, I've got this new idea. Uh, One little tidbit that I found during my reporting is that Gillette actually had an opportunity to invest in Dollar Shave Club early on. Dismissed it out of hand, said, you know, um, you know, why should we invest in you? you right. Know, if we're the king of the hill and we don't need you. Well, that was a big mistake because it gave uh, uh, Dollar Shave Club more running room it, as, as a costing dollar uh, Gillette market share. Gillette today, thanks to both uh, the success of Dollar Shave Club and Harry's, another rival, Right. That was started online, has market share in below 50%. It has since lowered its prices for the first time in memory. Uh Gillette a couple of years ago lowered its prices about 10 to 15 percent. And and it also started its own subscription company. So a lot of these, so one of the advantages of these companies, they took them by surprise. A lot of the big companies just took too long to respond. Same thing in the mattress business. Yes, you know, mattresses. You know, kind of if you go back three or four years, you know, these startup mattress companies had a minuscule, you know, kind of total collectively. And there were a bunch of them, uh, less than 50 million dollars annual in sales out of a market of 16 billion. Last year, people in the industry tell me that online mattresses, two billion dollars.
0: Sure. And, 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 you know, what I love about uh, specifically about the mattress uh, they have uh, these online uh, mattresses specifically, they have a ridiculous, no risk uh, right. uh, uh, proposition for us, the consumer. Try it. If you don't like it, send it back. Uh, Purple, uh, I've had a couple of people who I've talked to who bought Purple. Another successful company in that yep. category. And, and so when they called the mattress store saying, hey, we're not really happy with it, we'd like to return it. They said, no problem. But instead of returning it to us, if you will donate it to a local charity, get the receipt, and we'll call it even. Yeah, right, right. They're they're, they're, they're thinking outside the box. The advantage of these
1: startups, where they have people who weren't in the industry, they weren't constrained by, oh, we've never done it this way. This is the way it's always been done. For the first time, you had people saying, hey, uh, you know, why should I worry about the way it's been done? Let me do it. The way that I would like it to be done, if I'm the customer, and one of those things is on a mattress, you'd like to be able to return it if you sleep on it a couple nights and it doesn't feel comfortable. Wasn't doesn't you know kind of it's not working for you? Well, you know, with if, with the traditional way with the mattress you bought in a store, you could return it. You'd have to pay a restocking fee, often you know kind of 10 percent of the price, so that's two or three hundred bucks, and you'd have to pay return uh, shipping fee. That's another fifty or hundred bucks. Well, together, that's a real disincentive. And these guys realize it. I mean, they had to come up with something that was, that differentiated them, that made, gave people a reason to buy from them. And that's where innovation in either pricing or innovation in customer experience came in. And that's what distinguishes these companies and why they've been so successful. Uh, And and not just that, you know, kind of, uh, in some cases, we talk about better value. So the founder of Third Love Bra Company, a woman. Now, she had been in retail and she wanted to get into e-commerce because she figured that was going to be big, but she wasn't exactly sure. Then one evening she was rummaging through her bra door, uh, getting ready to go out in the evening and realized that there wasn't one that she really felt was comfortable and fit. And so she said, hey, there's got to be a better way. And, and with her husband, started a, a company called Third, Third Love. And their key is it's a better-fitting, more comfortable bra. It actually costs more. In some of the cases, in m- many of the cases, the, the, the newcomers charge less. They charge about $60 to $70 for a bra, which is more than Victoria's Secret, usually around in the 30 to 40 range. But it was a, they, they kind of said, hey, how can we make this better fitting? They designed it for half sizes. You know, it's like half-size shoes, but there weren't half-size bras. And you have this very loyal following. Victoria Steaker is still the market leader, but they've lost share. And Third Love is growing rapidly. You
0: know, one of the things uh, that's interesting uh, when you were talking about Gillette uh, versus the Dollar Shave Club, and it reminded me of Netflix, because at one point Netflix had come to Blockbuster and said, hey, let us be your online... uh, arm or whatever, and they laughed at Netflix saying, you know, we're we're Blockbuster. We're big. Why do we We, need you? You know, you guys are nobody and your concept is foolish. I mean, we're going to mail DVDs. We're going to have all sorts of, you know, uh, inventory shrinkage and, and craziness and all this other stuff, blah, blah, blah. From the first meeting until the time that Blockbuster went off the market was 10 years. Now it's yeah. pretty quick. It's amazing. It's and, amazing. and so I, I think that everybody in business today needs to remember Blockbuster for that reason that their Excellent arrogance. Point. Excellent point. You know, exactly. their arrogance cost them to disappear. Because yeah. if they would have, and what's interesting is, I think it was five or six years after that first meeting, they're coming out with Blockbuster Home, which had. In my, in my opinion, had a pretty good uh, advantage because you could order it online and if you wanted to, you could then take it to the store. Right. So right. that was kind of nice. Right. Uh, so they launched uh, Blue Box to compete with the Red Box uh, thing that, that was hurting them. Right. And, uh, and and unfortunately, they had some internal struggles with, with uh, Carl Icahn, who's one of the major holders and somebody else, so that CEO got booted out. And anyway, bottom line is, if you think you cannot fail, then you are thinking the wrong way and you and it, will fail. I mean, it's really important now. I mean, technology, technology
1: and how it affects things is changing so rapidly that you have to be constantly looking for how it might change your business, how yeah. it might change the business model. And the the best companies are constantly evolving and looking for that. I mean, This is not so much in consumer products, but uh, the success of Amazon is that it's always looking around the corner. It's not complacent, you know, and that's not always been true, actually, of tech companies. It's reinventing itself constantly. And these billion-dollar brand startups thought outside the box. They figured a way to do things differently. And you know what? They're also...
0: Uh, looking like we're having a little bit of a technical glitch there. Uh, Larry is, uh, communicating or connecting with us from a hotel room, (coughs) excuse me. And so, uh, we'll give him a couple of minutes here to see if we can re-engage that signal. Uh, but I I wanted, I I do want to mention the book again, uh, while we're waiting for Larry to come back. So the book is... Uh, billion-dollar brand club, how Dollar Shave Club, uh, Warby Parker, and other disruptors are remaking what we buy. Uh, and, and what I love about Larry's book is that he points out the obvious, that sometimes it wasn't that they created something from scratch. It's that they packaged it differently. Uh, dollar Shave Club is a good example Uh you know, and so we've seen the same thing now in fashion, uh, in retail fashion. Uh, we have a couple of places now that you can sign up for that subscription. And, um, yeah, no problem. So Larry's back. Let, let, let's bring Larry back here. And so I was talking about, you know, the, the fact that, uh, uh, that some of these, some of these brands did not reinvent anything they just repackaged right. it again dollar shave club and now we have fashion uh fashion subscriptions where they'll send you a box every month with a bunch of new clothes and, and for us guys that's like a dream come true because we don't like shopping the way uh the female uh, our females like to shop and and we're kind of dumb when it comes to fashion so you can sign up for this subscription and they take all the pressure off so that's right. a neat, right. brother, innovation, innovation
1: comes in a lot of flavors you know, there's 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 product innovation, but also there's innovation in experience. And that's a really a huge important uh, thing that a lot of these companies have done. They've made it a better experience. And we talked about mattresses uh, already. Um, you know, just the subscription service is actually a better experience. You're not going to, uh, you know, kind of run out of blades because we're going to send them to you every month. And oh, by the way, you know, uh, even before I get my monthly supply of Dollar Shave Club razors, they send me an email and say, do you want it? You know, kind of, we're getting ready to send it. So let's say you've been on vacation for a couple of weeks and not been shaving very much. You know, you can say, no, let's delay that one. Or they'll say, do you want us to throw in anything extra, you know, some shave cream, uh, cologne, whatever. And so that again is, is, uh, uh, improving the customer experience. So, you know, it's really critical to understand that, you know, kind of, uh, uh, it's not just the product. And in fact, you know, the quality of most products across the board have increased, especially since a lot of stuff is outsourced from Asia and those manufacturers have become much more sophisticated in making good products. I like to say that the uh, worst golf clubs you can buy today are probably better than the best golf clubs you could bought 10 or 15 years ago. That's how much technology improves. So when when technology has has narrowed, and and you know the founder of Warby Parker, Neil Blumenthal, talked a lot about that. He said we want to make it as seamless and easy to buy eyeglasses online, to return them, to to do whatever. Because you know what? The reality is, you know, a pair of eyeglasses that you can get from, you know, XYZ store versus us is, you know, kind of not, you know, kind of a a, a big uh, difference. It's the experience right. that matters. And getting to that, you know, we were talking, you know, before I got cut off about retail. So in companies being nimble, I mean, Worry Parker recognized, hey, you know, a lot of people still like to go into stores and buy uh, uh, their glasses retail. So we'll open stores too. Same thing, you know, Quip is available at Target. Right. The idea is we want to be where the customer is. Now, the reality is these companies could never have started if they try to do that as we talked, you know, at the beginning of our conversation, they couldn't have gotten shelf space at, at right. retailers. But they realize, hey, for us to keep growing and for us to reach some customers where they want to be and where they want to buy, well, sure, okay, we'll do that. So the smartest companies, you know, unlike sometimes some of the big companies, they say, we've got to be nimble. You know, kind of we can't be stuck where we are now. Technology is going to be constantly changing and we're going to uh, constantly look for those changes in technology so that we can be there for the customer and the customer will be happy with what we're doing.
0: Um, and, you know, uh, I, want to, I want to, I want to mention something uh, because I think it's worth uh, mentioning or re-mentioning or emphasizing is the fact that you said not all of these uh, startups or all of these big, uh, all of these brands that we're talking about uh, focused on price, right? Uh, you know, zappos to me is one of those people that 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 was kind of the uh first to prove that direct to consumer uh, experience and zappos does not sell discount or cheap shoes they sell high quality high retail price shoes but the experience is so much better and and, and so if you are an uh a regular zappos customer they will surprise you and so if you order let's say i don't know uh a, a pair of, um, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember a pair of shoes that I got from them. Uh, dress, uh, uh, what do you call it? You, you order some black dress shoes. Right. They will send you that dress shoe in maybe a secondary color saying, hey, if you like this other color, right. keep it. We'll charge you. If you don't, send it back. There's no yeah. call to you. It's a, it's a great way of, of, of helping the customer out, getting that extra sale. Surprising you in a pleasant way.
1: Yes, absolutely. In a pleasant way. Because you know, another thing kind of when you talk about, you know, the differentiation, and that that's a, an excellent point about different companies have different strategies. Yes. So there's a company called eSalon that makes customized hair color. And they do this because they, they have a questionnaire where they ask you everything about your hair and your hair color and what brands you've used. And they're – since they've kind of gathered so many of these things, they'll know what color and how to mix a color very precisely for you. And they'll, they'll deliver that to you at home. Now, the price that they charge is $25. If you, go, if you buy an off-the-shelf product, that's more expensive than an off-the-shelf product that will cost $10 uh, in, a, in a drugstore or a supermarket. But those products, of course, have limited numbers of hair colors. It's like, you know, maybe it doesn't, isn't exactly what I want. What they figured out was this is actually cheaper than, of course, going to a salon. So let's customize. Personalization is our differentiator. And that's what the important thing is. What is your differentiator? What what are you? You know, sometimes it might be price. Sometimes it might be value. Sometimes it might be customization. Uh, Sometimes it might be uh, customer experience, customer service. But there needs to be a purpose. You know, just a a me too is not the best thing. And the the the, the good fortune of these companies is that there is a lot of space left for them by yeah. big companies to, to look for a differentiating factor.
0: That's right. And, and you know what? Uh, I, I want to bring this up, even though it's not necessarily under the same uh, topic. Uh, the the Uber and Lyft uh, who who kind of taken a huge segment of the taxi industry away the taxi industry thinks they lost ground share because of an app and they constantly fight this and 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 and, uh it's the experience it's uh, so interestingly enough uh, a year or so ago i think it's been about a year now i I just i was in vegas and i wanted to uh, see if the taxi cabs had changed their customer experience right And they had not. It had gotten worse. And and, and the example being is I, you know, we uh, finally got to the destination. I go to pay with my plastic. And right there, it says there's a $3 surcharge to use your debit or credit card. It's like, I'm not paying that. And also, if you pay it once, once, that's the last time you're going to pay it. Yeah, well, I just refuse to pay it. I'm, I'm saying, you know, we can call the police. We call your supervisor, but I'm not paying you $3 to take my money. Right. And so, you know, they got the supervisor on the phone and, and the lady has the, the gall to say, well, you know, we don't get that money. That goes directly to, you know, that just covers our credit card charge. I said, ma'am, there's not a merchant out there that charges you $3 per right. transaction, right. especially when you're doing the kind of volume you're probably doing, you know, I'm not paying it. And so I ended up not paying it. And, and, uh, you, but right there is a great example of here's the taxicab industry who refuses to give the customers a better experience and that's why they constantly are losing and no matter what they do if they don't change they'll eventually go out of business and, and, and i just want to drive that point home back to what you were talking about you can compete on quality and compete on on being different you can compete on a, on a customer experience you can compete on there's so many different variations that you can compete on and your audience will resonate with that and that will take up space in their mind.
1: You know, Neil Blumenthal of Warby Parker said, you know, one of their principles early on is we want to treat our customers the way that we want to be treated as customers. And that's actually a pretty good golden rule. If you do that, then you create, a DNA inside your company that is meant to please your customers, that is meant to keep them happy. And, you know, all of us know we go back to uh, companies and we go back and do business with people who, you know, make that a good experience, who we feel, hey, I got value for my money. I got you. And, and that, again, as we've talked about, doesn't necessarily mean, you know, I got the lowest price. Sometimes it might be the lowest price, but I had the best experience or I paid a higher price and I got, you know, kind of something that fit better, that that worked better for me. And I'm going to come back and it pays off. A lot of these companies have found, especially in the new world of social media, that, you know, it's self-reinforcing. People have a good experience. They say it's a good experience. They, they uh-huh. post it. And, you know, it pays them. And it's like free, you know, marketing for them. and 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 it's, you know, kind of, earned media it means that you know kind of it's not something they pay for and that is uh believable to a lot of people it's like it's word of mouth but word of mouth is you know kind of today you know i was talking to a marketing professor who was one of the what i call the pied pipers behind the direct to consumer movement and he said that he you know kind of learned discovered early on in the old world word of mouth was good but word of mouth was basically your friend And, you know, kind of maybe five friends or 10 friends. And they might kind of tell five or uh, 10 friends, you know, and over time, you might, you know, kind of get 50 or 100 people, you know, kind of. Today, word of mouth, digital word of mouth can spread to hundreds or thousands of people, you know, like that. Yes. Positively and negatively. Yes. Uh, But that positively can really, uh, you know, kind of help you. Ratchet up and grow faster, and without spending nearly as much money initially on, on marketing, uh, and that's part of you know kind of one of the things that you know kind of have forever changed, and I think that will be you know kind of true going forward. And some people ask me, you know, kind of is there you know kind of a bubble? You know, are there too many companies getting in this? And I think that's a legitimate question. Sure, you know, right now uh, there are there are at least six new electric. Toothbrush companies that sell subscriptions. Quip is the leader. It was the first one. It's a very elegantly designed product and it has, you know, kind of great customer service. And I'm not sure exactly how the others are doing. You know, probably not all those will be big companies, but it does show, you know, kind of the ease of entry, which is good because competition is good. Having more choices for us as consumers is good. Yeah. You're gonna find, you know, kind of even after Warby Parker's had great success. You're you're actually having startups, and they tend to tend to be specialized startups in in the eyeglass market. For example, there's a company called Lensable. I think it's like a brilliant concept. So you've got a pair of frames that that you like a lot, and maybe there you're like your Ray-Ban, right? You know, if you want to get you get a new prescription a year or two later, and you say you know, oh, can you, you know, kind of take these frames and just put in new uh, lenses? Well, you know, most Opticians, they don't want to do that. No, they you know, don't. They want to sell you another pair of frames. So this company says, okay, you send us your prescription. You send us your uh, frames. We'll send it back with the new prescription in it. Now, is this going to be a giant company? You know, I don't know. But that is actually a very interesting, you know, kind of niche play. They, they might have a nice, sizable company at some point. And yeah. they do this because it's so much easier to start a company like that online and to exactly. get the word out and so oh, i it, think there's, it, gonna a lot of, there's gonna be so much innovation going on it's possible now
0: yeah absolutely and, and, and again this is one of those things that if you are an individual who wears glasses and you come across those perfect frames or maybe uh maybe there are what we call nowadays a retro frame maybe it's a pair yeah. of glasses that you got right. from one of your parents and now it's, it's going to be back in vogue, or maybe you want to just use it because it's different and it reminds you of your parents. Uh, to be able to go to somebody like Lensable and put your prescription in there is a wonderful thing, and uh, I don't know why stores make it so hard, because you bring your frame in. I want my new prescription in these frames, and it's like, well, we don't know how to do that. Uh, <laughs> you know, they they just, they just like, well, it's going to cost you the same amount of money, or it's going to even cost you more money. And, it's like, Why? you yeah. have to kind of why why should that be again these new 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 the, uh,
1: the 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 simplicity of the ideas behind a lot of these companies like this is something that i as a consumer want and my in the end i have to i'm trying to fill a need of the consumer as opposed to filling just what my need is i mean obviously businesses have to make money uh, but at the same time some of them at 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 some point have become more focused on the way that they do things as a pay that the way that customers want to do things. And, you know, kind of, that's the way to build a big brand, you know, in the case of some of these companies, name of my book, billion dollar brands. And we can see this is going to continue for a lot of time. You know, there's another lesson here, Bert, that I think people might, you know, want to think about is that, you know, even if you are not an entrepreneur, this is not actually a bad way to consider what you do. If you're working for a company, helping your boss spot a problem, solve a problem, you know, fix it, is going to make them kind of happy. This is what entrepreneurs do, right, yeah. the most successful ones. They spot problems and they, they fix it. They spot needs and they fill it. If you're doing this as, I think there's a life lesson here, even if you're not a risk taker, even if you're not going to become an entrepreneur, If you take this approach to your job, if you break this approach to your life, to your relationships with your friends, you know, that's going to be good for you. It's going to be good. What's good for them is also good for you. Yeah, I I think people should keep that in mind and realize how important that is.
0: So let me ask you this. Uh, And again, I want to plug the book. Uh, It's called uh, Billion Dollar brand club. Thank you. Billion dollar brand club. Yeah. And and it's just, it has a, 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 just a lot of value in it. Um, And um, my question to you is if let's say somebody is listening to us and they're going, Hey, this sounds great. Uh, Where should somebody start? Uh, You know, what would you tell a brick and mortar company to do to catch up?
1: Well, you know, some of them are trying to uh, adopt some of the ideas uh, of these companies. OK. And I think, you know, the first thing is to say, um, OK, you've been successful doing something the way that you've done it for a long time. You need to be constantly asking yourself, is this the best way to do it? Are there different ways to do it? Are there ways that customers would like you to be doing it? You know, listen to your customers. Um uh, you know, find out what they want and try to deliver to them. Because if you don't, a startup might do that. Uh, so I think that that is 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 critical. Um, you know, go where your customers are. You know, in the case of companies like Gillette, you know, their customer traditionally was Walmart. There, there was the retailer. Yes, it was it was was you and me, but but you know, kind of the people that they had to please most. In fact, when when Gillette, it's interesting, I kind of write about this in, in, in the book, in the chapter on how Dollar Shave Club grew so fast. So Gillette, you know, kind of, first of all, dismissed Dollar Shave Club. Right. And the second is, okay, let's kind of, maybe we'll copy a little bit about, you know, kind of how they do. We'll, we'll start a subscription. You can buy online. But you know what they did? If you want to buy online, you come to our site, and then you go to Walmart's site. And it's like, why would I want to do that? And the reason was they didn't want to piss off Walmart. You know, yeah. Somebody at Walmart would say, well, why are you selling online? And instead of saying, you know, guys, this is the future. We don't have any choice. We don't want to piss you off. But, you know, kind of, you know, if people want to buy online. We have to enable them to do that. So it took them a while before, you know, realizing that nobody wanted to do that. Right. And then they, Gillette, offered, you know, its own subscription. And then they cut, cut their prices. So there were a whole series of things that Gillette finally did where it should have at the very first said, by the way, okay, the guy's got a funny video. Uh, we think our product is better. But maybe he is onto something. Maybe there's something that we can learn as opposed to wait three years. And I'm not sure if I mentioned it already, but, you know, early on, Gillette, you know, was so arrogant. It had an opportunity to invest in Dollar Shade. Yes. Yeah. And it said, you know, kind of, no, no, we don't need you guys. Uh, so, you know, it was a huge mistake. And they have since bought some of the other smaller companies. And there's a lot to learn. Yeah. And, and again, kind of as, as we've talked, one of the things, if you're a big company, think about the customer experience in the end. If you know, I want to bring this up. They can, they can fight you, but yeah. you have to put that in mind. It's hard for big companies to do that.
0: It is. It is. And And the reason... The reason that it's hard for these big companies to do that is because of the arrogance. It isn't because they can't do it. I mean, think about it. Gillette has tons more money than any startup's going to have. Yeah. They have this massive brand and not only do they have a, a, a brand that's, that's recognizable, but it's also uh, loved. I mean, it's a great yeah. product. It is and, a perfect product. Yeah. And it's got a great tagline, Gillette, the best a man can be. I right. mean, You know, there's so much that you could do off that tagline alone. And so, uh, uh, you know, so to me, the reason they don't is simply because they have that arrogance. Hey, we're too big. You're too small. You know, we're better than you. And all of a sudden, you know, they're they're gone. But but what I was going to say is one of the biggest mistakes over and over and over again that I see a lot of people do. And this is to your point, is that they've lost touch who their customer really is. And they don't do things like a customer uh, survey or those, uh, what do you call it? Those group uh, kind of like those info groups where you bring a bunch of people in and, and, uh, and, focus. and group. focus group, focus group. That's what it is. Uh, this is something that is vitally important, especially if you've been in business for a while. And, and maybe you see your business is getting stagnant or slow or even dipping. Maybe you've lost touch who your customer really is, uh, or maybe they've lost, you know, the the message that you're putting out doesn't resonate with them anymore. And it's time to survey or do a focus group or something because. So that's a really great
1: point. And and one advantage, I think, that some of these startups do, because, again, they're not dealing with retailers initially. Um, uh, They're dealing with customers online. They're hearing from their customers online. They're seeing how long their customers are checking out this product or that product. They're they're kind of figuring out what the return rates are. You know, their focus group is instantaneous. It is is online. They're gathering data. They're measuring everything that's going on with these customers. And as a result, they don't need to have focus groups. (laughs) Right. You know, kind of they, they and, and their focus groups are massive. Right. You know, kind of the data is really helping them anticipate, spot what their you know customers want and need. And they ask their customers. And that's another thing that big companies need to learn to do better is to try to. And I think they are mining the data to find out, you know, kind of what is the best way to serve our customers. Uh, You're mentioning the. Uh, uh, clothing subscription services, they're constantly trying to figure out, okay, what is the return rate? So, you know, if you're a 55-year-old guy and, you know, kind of your medium height and build, um, and, and you generally like this kind of fashion, we'll send you these things to see if you like these, these five pieces of clothing. Well, they then measure how everybody in that category responds what do you keep what do you send back and the next time they use that data to improve the mix of stuff so and that's good for them good for for you so if you keep you know two things out of five instead of one thing out of five you know you're happy with that and also that's good for their business but they do it because they're gathering this data they don't necessarily need focus groups they have you know kind of internet focus groups as as it were uh, and and I have a whole chapter in the book about how companies, online companies, online startups, have you know made data central to their business strategy, central to improving the product, central to improving the service, central to just about everything that they do. You know, improving their website to make it easier for you to navigate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because again, that's one of the one of the great benefits about doing business today is that not only do you have just layers of data, but it doesn't take you weeks or months to get that right. data. You can get it on a daily basis if you wanted to. It's fresh every day. I you know, mean, back, back, basis. Yeah, it, it, back in the day, you know, uh, when you and I were, you know, young men, uh, you know, that customer data would literally take months depending on what you're looking for could even take a year because they would have to go through the old slow process and they deliver this data to you in this massive you know binder or binders and by the time you got the data and started going through it it's you know maybe maybe all of it's outdated or 20 percent of it is outdated and it wouldn't be as granular it could be as granular right it's amazing amazing all right so listen we're out of time the book billion dollar brand club by Lawrence and Gracia. Lawrence
1: behind it, you know, kind of, it, it's fascinating. The people behind it, the faces behind it, you know, kind of, that's what makes the book fun and different. Absolutely. No, it, it, it's, it's
0: awesome because if you're an entrepreneur, you want to know, you want to know how, you know, Shave Club or some of these other brands did what they did and and, and all that other stuff. So it's, it's inspirational. It's got a lot of, uh, I think, great strategies and how to's. Um, the book's available on Amazon or wherever you are wherever you like to buy them. I'm going to put a link in the show notes as well. Larry, it's been a pleasure. Looking uh, forward to catching up with you soon.
1: Bert, thank you again. I really appreciate it. You bet. Bye.
0: Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.